Hello and welcome to Rear View, the show where we get to chat to the fascinating people from the motoring universe, learning how they got to where they are today. I'm Andrew, and on this episode, I'm delighted to be joined by Simon Browse, who is a restorer of vintage, classic and interesting cars. Welcome to Rear View, Simon. I'd like to start off by asking, why do you restore cars? Good morning, Andrew. Thank you very much for having me. Um, it's, uh, yes, it basically, the, the love of cars came from a very early age, and the reason for their restoration is that I have an old adage that someone told me many, many years ago, and that was that the best gift you can give anything or anyone is a second chance. And I think from a really early age, that, that hit home, that things around us shouldn't really be wasted. I'm a great conservationist. Um, I, I, I think that if something has been made, thought about, sought after, um, and invented, it should probably be cherished, even if it's things that people, other people don't, don't love and like. Um, so that kind of, when I heard that at a very young age, I remember that, but I don't, can't remember who told me, but I remember that. And uh, basically that's been the passion and the drive behind what I do. Um, it's only something I've been doing for the last eight or nine years full time, um, uh, post leaving um, uh, college and doing the city and guilds in, in big repair and maintenance. The aim was to, to, to go into the AA and all, and all the RAC at the time, but I was I was led to uh, office jobs past, present, and uh, definitely not uh, not past, but uh, office jobs but in the past that were lucrative and fun, but the love was lost and I decided to get back to where we started from with the uh, with the vintage and classic cars. Uh, the, the, the primary um, uh, role and company I run is a wedding car hire fleet, so the cars restore, I get to keep, they get to pay for themselves. That then funds the additional um, vintage and classic car repairs and restoration I do. Cool. Well, that's incredibly noble. I think that's possibly one of the noblest sentiments that's ever been said on rear view. It's that's, true. That's fantastic. I promise you it's true, I promise. <laughs> no, no, I, no I, I can see that it is. I can see that it is. Okay, then, so you said there uh, you were interested in cars from a young age. How young are we talking? Are we uh, are we talking? You said car before mummy and daddy, uh, and you're now you're now not spoken to. <laughs> you know, uh, I think I think um, car was definitely my first word by accident, not not to do with cars, but it was definitely my first word. That that I've been told, and apparently, apparently, my um, uh, late mother told me that when I was around six months old, my father dropped me in the in the engine bay, not from a great height, but dropped me in the engine bay of a, of a 53 Buick. So maybe that had something to do with it. I don't know. I don't, maybe, <laughs> maybe that was the I like here. I will stay here. Yes, exactly. <laughs> yes, yeah. Grit, mud and all. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, but my first my first driving experience is when I was when I was um, seven or eight years old where my father had, um, I wouldn't say bought me, perhaps rescued from a scrapyard, um, an early 70s Austin Mini Clubman. Uh, mm-hmm. So um, single squarish headlight either side, vinyl roof that didn't live. Um, and basically he was determined that I was I was going to become, you know, a driver or, or shared his interest. Mother and father had, had um, a huge interest in, in classic cars from even their, you know, dotage. Mm-hmm. Um and that's um, that was kind of a, bit, a big driver earlier on. So they wanted me to kind of get involved in this at an early age. So I used to drive this little mini just around the yard and around the sort of the private roads. And I was seven or eight years old, 
Uh, I, actually, I actually ended up doing grass racing in, in that in that mini when I was around uh, 11 or 12, so like very, very early. Only for a year or two. It was, I wasn't very good. <laughs> I wasn't very good. But um, but yeah, so it was it was definitely uh, uh, you know driven in at a young age that that the saving of the old can be important you know for the future, um, not just for profit, but but it, it's if something's been made and, and, and worthwhile into it was instilled in me that that you shouldn't waste, you shouldn't waste. Did did it did that evolve into a point of you were able to appreciate the vehicle as well as because uh, it, it's obviously you can start off at the point of sitting there and going. Well, as you said, somebody's gone to the effort to think about this, design it, create it, produce it, and then you know. But did you did you always appreciate the car's um, design flourishes or their quirks and eccentricities, or has that developed more as you've got older? I'm, I'm uh, leaping ahead here. No, no, when no. When I say quirks, I mean uh, hitting them with a hammer probably more often than you need to <laughs> or want to, really. <laughs> Um, I was always more enthusiastic about a car's design, both interior and interior, than actually doing the work on them, if, if entirely honest. Um, always had a, a profound... I remember um, very early on comparing uh, Mark 1 Sierras in the... In the yeah, not quite old, but you know, Mark 1 Sierras and, and uh, um, even uh, Mark 3 Cortinas at the time to, to either pictures or cars that I've seen that, that my parents had had, so uh, late 40s, the late at the early 50s Buick, um, a very, very early Mark I, uh, Morris Oxfords, and just how, even from a very young age, how the rounded shapes had turned into a lower, flatter shape, and the reasons why behind. I was always asking questions, and, and when I could read, I'd always be given the the, um, uh, the odd copy of Car Magazine if it was lying around. I did most of my early reading was Car Magazines, actually. That's, I forgot about that. It's absolutely <laughs> true. I forgot about that. Dentist waiting rooms. If there was an auto car... It's there. It's there. All the automobile collection. Yeah, it was there. So yeah, so definitely more the design and appreciate the aesthetics um, mm-hmm. rather than actually working on them. Working on them. I think it was kind of part of my early life of doing chores. Was, was I think my way? It was kind of child slavery, really. If I look back, you know. Yes, you can have a lot. There's, of a, there's a lot to be said for that. Yeah. Not completely. Completely. Free labor. They get to learn. No bother. Yes. I'm not endorsing exactly. child slavery. Let's neither of us. Are no, 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 no. We're not. We're not. No, just just our own children. Exactly. <laughs> so going through school, um, were cars a big thing for you, or were they? Was that just sort of like a side interest while you were getting through school or enjoying school? I don't know. Um, or was there an idea in school that no, actually, I want to do something with cars? Um. Interesting, actually. At school, not many. I was very fortunate. I have got to have quite a few friends. Not many of them were kind of car driven. It was kind of like a like a second life, if almost. If you know, if, if you're going through school, my, my concentration at the time was uh, was for uh, economics. Was business and economics is what was the main driver through uh, A levels and, and, and most of that that earlier um, educational time. Um, the, the cars were kind of like a it was like a dirty secret really to be honest with you in the passion for arts there's probably a better word for it but but it was it was um yeah um it was something that I was very passionate about that I knew one day would be a dream to be involved in um and as I said when when, when I, I left school and decided to go to, to college decided to do the, the city and guilds that the, the drive was definitely to do um, something around the AA or, or the RAC or even start my own company one day which I had. Um, 
but uh, but as I say, I was I was led astray, perhaps even by by quite a few of my friends that were sort of getting the regular run of the mill, you know, office jobs and sort of thinking, well, for the future, perhaps do something safer and mm. kind of you know do do um you know do your little thing with with vintage cars, primarily vintage cars, twenties and thirties things in the early days as a, as a sideline and. Uh, mm. I think probably yes that the, the the social aspect of it was, you know, you can you can enjoy more of a, a social lifestyle through the office and then do something on the side. But that got very boring after about six or seven years, and no, oh, yeah, couldn't do that anymore. <laughs> <laughs> I know that feeling. Yes, <laughs> I know that feeling. <laughs> okay, so you, um, so when you left the um, the corporate world, mm, shall we say? yes, very much. Uh, did you start your company straight away, or did you go in somewhere else? No, started. What, what? Yeah, so started the company about a year before leaving. The actually, oh, okay. the big stab in the, uh, the the big nudge in the right direction was redundancy. I've told a few of my friends this story before, but but um, I sort of caught wind through the channels that that perhaps the office we were working in and, and wasn't uh, wasn't going to be around for very long. And that was it. That was that was the kickstart. I thought, right, I've got three or four months to get this, that, this ready. Let's do this. Um, at the time, my family was was running the the wedding car hire company. Um, it was becoming obvious that was getting quite big uh, and quite busy. And they were, you know, I was coming in to to help out um, as much as I could, as well as running, you know, a full time job plus some. Um, and it was clear that 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 business was something to, uh, I suppose, embody and take on and do something better with as well as setting up the, the, the restoration company as well at the same time so it was kind of a, a double-edged leap into um both self-employment and 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 running the family business i now run full-time the the the, um, the wedding car hire company that's that's how mm-hmm. my company and the the restoration work has, has been going along the side of that and has basically melded into one now if i'm completely honest with you uh, it, it is much the one in the same company and one of the same job um so yeah, it was uh, it was as anyone same old story. It's hugely nerve wracking to decide to do something they not many people do. You know, classic restoration um, is isn't a, um, a massive one man band industry. It's normally large companies, um, and certainly you know I mean lots of people take it down. I believe it or not, take a down look on on, on wedding car companies, but. We do offer a service. All of our cars, if you go on our website, all of our cars are very rare, very old, or lots of stories. No kit cars. Not a fan of kit cars. I, I, we won't go down that road. <laughs> <laughs> we will be talking for hours. Do not. We, we're not. We're not. But uh, genuine cars are my passion. There we go. There we go. No, no, I, I can see I have been on your website, and you've got a fantastic uh, array of options uh, on there, um, I know it is. There are some lovely bits of kit out there, not kit cars, but kit. <laughs> uh, <laughs> well worded. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> I was going to ask uh, when was you when did you pass your test? But you've preempted that by driving on grass at the age of eleven. <laughs> <laughs> so, did you um, pass your test? pretty much immediately as soon as you could at 17 yep. or so I, I was taking lessons on my 17th birthday properly properly so mm-hmm. that was the first lessons and yeah and, and and passed second time second time um um about three months later so yeah but so okay. pretty much immediately Immediately. Oh, what was can I can I uh, bring up a, an, an old sore, an old wound 
that's maybe not quite healed. But uh, what was the the issue first time? First time, I believe it or not, um, I I have no knowledge or or, or no um, proof of this, but that my my major um, fault. Well, there were no minors, which was really or no minors at all. The major one, or whatever you call it, the, the, the really bad one, was putting away downhill in second gear. Um, that was the flaw. So I thought. I mean, it was because you know, I'd, I'd been you know doing some driving beforehand, so I knew that it was you know the, the torque wasn't required in first gear. But no, unquote unquote, you must always start in first gear, no matter what the situation. Like if you're stood still, first gear is where you go. You started in second, and I saw you change on purpose. Um, so I, I did question it and said, but there'll be there'll be no, you just slow traffic up. If you can roll, why roll? Why use you know more gas, more gas, more petrol? Um, why do it? And he said, no, that's, that's the rule. Them's the rules. <laughs> so, uh, yes. Oh, wow. Okay. And then, so two days later, we retook it again and again, no problems. But yeah, putting away in second gear is a no, no, apparently death. Many children will die if you do it. So, uh, <laughs> <laughs> maybe that's been removed now. Yes. Uh, yes. Yeah. Yes. That's right. That's right. Or maybe it's a question in the theory. <laughs> that's a good question. That's a good point. That's a very good point, actually. Yeah. Yeah. Spot, spot so, the hazard yeah. <laughs> so, did you um, did you have a car lined up to drive straight away as soon as you passed, or was it family car? No, 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 no. I had I, at that stage. I had two. Um, I had a Mark One. Of course, of course, of course. You, of course you did. I know. I know. Uh, I had a, a Mark One Fiesta seventy eight. Uh, no, seventy seven Mark One Fiesta, Spanish built Fiesta. Um, that was. Um, um, yeah, that I'd sort of been been building and, and, and tinkering on getting back to new. Uh, I drove that for a little while, and then, but my first proper car, believe it or not, uh, was, you know, I, I say I was seventeen when I when I passed my test. Most other people had, you know, um, kind of the, the sort of very early Peugeot one hundred sixes, um, you know, and perhaps another, you know, Mark three Fiesta, something like that. Um, which at the time was was oh, wow that's that's quite good that's quite good you know that that's quite practical. No, I had a two liter Volvo 440 saloon. Couldn't have been more boring. <laughs> rubbish, rubbish. The babe magnet, <laughs> as it was called. Exactly, exactly. Yeah, there is there is a rhyme for four doors. I won't say it, but yeah, it's. Uh, <laughs> we know what that is. We know what that is. Um, yeah, couldn't have been more uh, uncalled if you tried. But I just thought at the time I was I was a big uh, safety fiend. I've been lots of reading on on sort of you know, crashes and, and and what. I think at the time I was reading up on when a car has an accident, at what stage can you fix it to legally repair it in the late nineties. So um, I was kind of involved, you know, sort of dealing with that, and I you know, was was um, looking up and learning on, on on what sort of things could be fixed if, if you know if, if, if an accident did happen. And just the safety thing came to mind. I thought, well, these seem to be quite safe-ish. Mm. I know now they're built by Renault and weren't particularly safe, but but uh, they had the Swedish badge on it, so that's fine. That was that was that was safe. And uh, yeah, but that, that was that was actually quite a good car. Everyone laughed. Everyone laughed. It was very good condition, but because it had too many doors and a too bigger engine, and it cost a fortune to insure, uh, and it couldn't have been more granddad if you'd tried. Um, later on, well, I still had that car about a year later. Lots of people were saying, "Oh, it's got quite a lot of space, isn't it?" Oh, it's quite quick. Isn't yes, it? that's what I was thinking. Is that suddenly when everybody wants a designated driver, 
Exactly. Yes. <laughs> you know what? I I like the feeling in my ankles and not being crushed by the, the front seats being pushed back in this two door hatchback. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. 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 Do we have to drive to Birmingham? Well, I think Simon's got something. Yes, we'll get him to drive. That's a good idea. Let, let's do that. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> That's how it went. That is. That is absolutely how it went. Yeah. But uh, yeah. so what? What did you move on to next then? Um, next, I had a. Um, what was next? It's been. Got, it, it was kind of a running. And are you getting rid as you're getting new, or is just your collection getting larger? That is a very good question. Um, I think because I've learned to have to ask this now. Yeah. I didn't. I didn't anticipate this was the question I needed to ask <laughs> when I first started this this uh, podcast. But now I've realised I do need to ask. So. Uh, we still got the ones you've originally talked about, or are there <laughs> various states of decay around your property? Exactly. Yeah, yeah, in fields and cut and caves and stuff. Yeah. Um, no, and normally I would have um, two cars, so one properly on the road, and then another one also on the road or there and thereabouts. Um, no, n- normally would be would be a buying first and then selling one of behind it. Do you know what I mean? Almost in the okay. case, you know, there was no. No, insurance for me, uh, living in, in Essex, as I have done, has been terrifically expensive. Even now, not cheap. So um, it, there was always a realism of, of, of what you know what means you could meet, you know? Okay. Um, yep. So the next car was a late 90s uh, Mercedes 180E saloon, again, C-Class. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, the equivalent C-Class at the time. Um, had that for quite a long time. Again, four doors, obviously. Obviously mm-hmm. four doors. And a boot, obviously. Mm-hmm. Good thing for us. Um, yeah, I think, you know, after that, um, actually, interesting story. When, when I was still 17, I um, got caught, I was a very naughty boy, got caught speeding in the Volvo, um, doing, don't do this, don't do this. Um, it was, I was doing 90, 96 miles an hour on an A road, a dual carriageway A road uh, in Essex on the way to South End, if you ever heard of South End on Sea. Yes. Yeah, this period of the world is all it's famous for that and crime. Um, and, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, and, at three, and a nice stretch of dual carriageway before it. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. Uh, it was three o'clock in the morning. Uh, not a soul on the road, and it was it was pre very very much pre uh, yellow speed camera boxes. It was when you can have a little man behind a bush for the back gun. That was absolutely yeah. fine. And uh, yeah, yeah. So ninety six miles an hour. I was absolutely terrified when I got the court summons. It was straight to court. There was no, no, no. Found yeah. it was police officer on the door. Here's your letter. Go to court. And uh, I'd only been driving for ten months at, at that stage. I thought, well, that's it. I driving was lovely. That that'll be the end. And uh, yes, the magistrate's judge would say, well, I'm afraid we're going to have to make a make a, an example out of you for what you've done. Uh, but you can't say that. I know. But this, genuinely, this is worth it. We're going to have to make an example out of you. Do you have anything to say in closing statements? And my closing statement was, which was stupid and misguided, I said, well, I apologise profusely for spending too much time looking at the road rather than the speedo at three o'clock in the morning dodging children playing football on a dual carriageway. <laughs> genuinely, I, I, I Yeah. Uh, yeah, at 17. Okay, so, so the judge went, actually, that's a fair point. Tell you what, throw it out. This is nonsense. Um, go about your life, but just try and remember, will you, now from now that's on? That's right. That's right. Yeah. No. That's ex- exactly how it happened. No. Oh, really? And, Why not? No, it was four points. Got to keep my license. So maybe it's not a funny side. I don't know. But yeah, so four points straight away. And uh, yeah, and a £500 fine. Oh, when you're 17. 
Ouch. Oh, Ouch. Yes, yeah. yeah. And, and then the insurance. Insurance? Did I tell the insurance company? I don't know. Yes. Yes, I told the insurance company. Yes. No, I didn't. And because back in those days, there was no there was no integrated system. So you could decide to tell them or not tell them. So, yeah, maybe I did, maybe I didn't. No, I, I, did, I did tell them. And the insurance doubled, I think, for the first year. And then kind of realistically came down the only after that. Learned my lesson, Andrew. Tell you really learn my lesson. <laughs> yes, speeding. <laughs> yes, don't be gobby to the judge. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> That's what we've taken away from this, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> okay, so uh, you've you've got the Merc. How long have you? Did you keep that for? It's about six months. I got um, um, a, fr- a neighbour of mine made me a very a nice offer for it because I'd sort of you know um, restored it. Well, I'd say restored it, made it look much nicer than what it was when I got it. Uh, and then, if I'm completely honest with you, after that was been has been a string uh, of either um, quite good Volvos or not very good Renaults for various various reasons uh, up until basically now. Um, but that, for the everyday cars, in between, there's a lot of American, um, you know, 50s, 60s, 70s muscle, 80s muscle um, cars as the the fun, you know. So the, the fun yeah, cars. Yeah. They're, they're all, you know, now into my sort of, you know, uh, mid 20s at this point, I guess. Um, insurance was was not very much at all, and classic car insurance was was, you know, pittance, absolutely pittance. I remember I had a a 56. No, a 1955 Cadillac four-door sedan in uh, in soft. It was like a very very light pale green, very 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 light um, sort of apple green. Um, then again, I've just been putting my savings away and just bought it and, and, and imported it uh, and, and restored it to, to what it should be. That actually got sold to a collector stroke museum in Austria, and I found out only recently that car's still in the museum. Funny enough. Um, right, cool. Went out there and, and said, oh, I've seen the car. It's still there." And that was that was uh, 2000. Uh, seven, six, something like that. So it's it's still there. Um, but that car, fully comprehensively on a classic car policy, was eighty pounds a year uh, on three thousand miles. You know, I think I barely did four hundred miles on it in a year. Eight <sighs> fantastic, absolutely fantastic. Because I suppose you know insurance companies know that you're not going to go racing in something like that if you prang it. Well, you're going to probably will fix it. You know, they're not going to do anything yeah. for it. So, well, their expense is nil, so uh, you know that's that's just. 80. You're just you're they're just um, sort of building up a bunt for if anyone is hurt on the other side of that or any damage on the other side. It's not to you because you'll you'll fix your car because exactly. you've, you've got it and you want it, and that's yep. why you're going to the extremes of having a classic. And sometimes it is the extremes. I mean, if you if you look at Hudden Up videos, uh, yeah. Ian Seabrook. Yeah. I mean, he, my my gosh. This is a man who goes to extremes. Yes. <laughs> I mean, quite why, how, or sort of why he has this need to share his self harm with us. I mean, <laughs> Ian, it's not the way forward. Self harm is not the way forward. And his his dear lady wife puts up with so much and gets involved. It's it honestly, it, it's it's a fantastic. They are a fantastic couple of people. They are brilliant. If anyone gets yes. a chance, jump on the YouTube channel, have a word, have, you know, have a look at the hubnut.org. It's a, a brilliant, brilliant story, those two sharing their, their, their motoring adventures. Fantastic. Yeah. Yes, it is. It is. Uh, okay, um, so you've had, you've had good Volvos, not good Renaults. <laughs> Are these more modern Renaults and 
uh, is that is is it the typical gremlins that we hear about electrics that sort of yeah, thing? Yeah, you, you, you're dead on. So the last okay. the last Renault I had was the very very last um, uh, Renault Laguna. Um, it was in the the uh, what what I would call the the British touring car green. So that deep, mm-hmm. don't know the name of the colour, deep metallic green. Yet headlights would work during the day. Didn't feel like it when it got cold at night. Every time, every it's bedtime. Time. It's bedtime. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, quite right. Yeah, so um, uh, there was a Renault 19 is there, in there as well, um, and uh, all, all, all good condition. But yeah, wow, mm. electrical gremlins that, that you wouldn't want to get involved in. Um, so, uh, are you now an expert on electrics, or would you just go and hit it and go, please work? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> you, you kind of. I suppose when when anyone when any of us have found a problem with a particular make or model of car and you've delved in and you've spent you know um, two or three evenings on it let's say or a few hours everyone becomes an expert in that particular problem so yes certainly getting headlights working on a Laguna I'm sure I could do with my eyes closed I'm sure I'm sure you could with your car with a similar model you found a problem you've you've delved in with one of them in the past and and, and sorted it you are now the expert in that problem on that make model and year of car absolutely. <laughs> And I'm not trying to pick on uh, Renault here, but I mean, this is just <laughs> something that's always intrigued me. But was it the same sort of gremlin? So it would be like, oh, always this connector goes wrong because it's the the one that they buy or something like that. Or was it just, it could be absolutely anything to do with the system <laughs> and you wouldn't know and you just come along and it'd be lucky dip with that car that, oh, you've got this problem, whereas the last one had this issue. Oh, aren't I lucky to get to explore everything? Yes. <laughs> um, it was, um, I mean, probably, if anyone, to get technical, if anyone knows anything about, you know, uh, late 90s, early 2000s, Renaults, um, their um, uh, water and uh, weather protection around connectors, for whatever reason, isn't great. Either breaks down or doesn't exist at all. So like, exactly as you said, yeah, Andrew, right. connectors forever getting vertically built up and you'd have to either clean them or just change the connector block either end, normally on the headlights or on the fuse board so things like relays weren't particularly atmospherically um protected so you'd have mm. you know airborne you know, matter that we get in and, and, and found the connectors so um yes is the honest answer um not to bad mouth renault I, I i know they're very good i don't i know lots of no, no, changing no, the but it's, it's just you, you hear the oh it's always got the electric gremlins and i was just curious whether it was just a the electricity did not like Renaults at that time, or whether it was particular areas, and it sounds like it was particular areas. Yeah, so that's okay. That's okay because that's that can be fixed. Yes, yes, that's right. That's right. But if it's all over, then it's like oh, <laughs> we need to do an exorcism. <laughs> <laughs> yes, the power of someone be with you. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay then, Volvos. Then I like a Volvo. What Volvos did you have? Good. Um, so I had a uh, um, two eight um, fifties. Uh, one of them I still mm-hmm. have. Um, that's the the all-wheel drive, the, the, the Volvo 850 estate all-wheel drive. Um, mm-hmm. I'm led to believe, if not very well, I believe the last one left. There aren't no others. That's the, the one oh, right. left. Um, no in pressure, form. but don't let that die. No, I know, I know. And it, and it has it has had gremlins over the past couple of years. And I thought, well, I can't get rid of it. I have to. <laughs> but I found a very nice chap in, in Wickford that's a town near us that, that knows them, remembers them from back in the day, and he's been very, very helpful with knowledge. So that's, that's been oh, cool. very good. Um, I had a T5R, um, so the, the speed 50. Yes, Ooh. yeah. Um, that was in black. That was mm. the color. Um, automatic because I couldn't find a manual. That was fabulous. Never had to lift the bonnet. I need to check the levels. It was hmm. absolutely fabulous. Loved it. Absolutely loved it. 
um, uh, drank fuel and ate tyres even when driven uh, gracefully. Um, but uh, worth, worth, worth it all the time. Um, <laughs> and recently, uh, um, turning, turning my couple of balance, recently had a bad, what I would call a bad Volvo, and had a um, 2009 uh, XC90, okay. which... Um, my- which, at the t- which everybody says was a benchmark for large SUVs at that time. Definitely. Um, you know, the practicality, the way it screwed together. I mean, I remember when I was uh, working in an office that one of the directors had one. And he took me to drive and I was just like, this is absolutely fantastic. Uh, this is lovely. Thank you very much. I could get used to this. <laughs> okay, maybe not the fuel bills, but... <laughs> <laughs> But, yeah. So so so, what was up with this? Then? Well, the, uh, this one was um, I was so genuinely so pleased to get it. Uh, exactly as you say, practical, comfortable, um, d- drove fantastically. Didn't have any mechanical problems with it. I have to say, no mechanical problems with it. But it was my choice of uh, model or uh, engine spec. I went for the the big petrol two point nine twin turbo T six. Uh, which okay. Per- so when you're driving along, did you see like? 20 pound notes being puffed out the exhaust pipes behind you like confetti is that is that what was happening yes basically yes yes uh there wasn't any petrol stations that we drove past uh you could maybe done a book exactly yeah the the uh petrol owner's guide to petrol stations (laughs) the spotting jotter's guide to pumps near you When you come into the Basingstoke version of the BP garage, if you park on the left-hand side, it is cleaner and easier to uh, get your nozzle into your car. (laughs) Also, two buckets of sand per pump. So, (laughs) (laughs) yeah. um, So, yeah. So that that my. So it just didn't suit that car then. No, but again, if I'd have opted for a manual, could have made it work. It had the worst automatic gearbox known to man, made by Yamaha and GM. Um, even when I was before I bought the car, did lots of investigation online about what to get. I'd, I'd, set, I'd sort of set my heart on it anyway, despite all of the mm. oh god, do not go for the automatic. It's only got three. Don't speeds. we all? Don't we all? Oh, we yes. No, it won't be like that for me. It'll be fine. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, exactly that. And it, and it drove very nicely, but it wouldn't get above eighteen miles to the gallon because the gearbox was such a sludge box. It wouldn't change mm. it when you wanted to. It would change down when you didn't want it to. Um, and then I was told, oh, God, uh, if it gets anywhere near 70,000, it will blow up. It hadn't had anywhere near that knowledge, thankfully. But, uh, yeah, you have to have a full, because of an inherent fault in the gearbox, the automatic. goes for the S80 as well, apparently. It's the same engine of gearbox on the T6s of that era. Not now. It, yeah. The last of the Mark I XC90s. Um has inherent problem where they will pop a seal and you will lose all the fluid and everything and you have to have it fully rebuilt with this new little seal that's made of a better material that Volvo then offered at the time. No recall because it was later on in its life. A bit like RX-8s and their Wankel engines that do need a rebuild after, I forget what it is, 70, 80,000, something like that. I can't remember. A mile. A mile. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, and just I could not, I couldn't live with it. it the, the, the box had no faults, no flaws. It was only ever serviced at Volvo, and Volvo kept telling me uh, there's nothing wrong with it. It just, it didn't suit the car. And yet, if I'd have gone through a D5, a petrol, a, I'm sorry, a diesel with a manual gearbox, I'd still have the car now. Undoubted, they are fantastic. But if anyone thinks about buying one, it has a T6 on the back, 
make sure it's got a clutch. If it's not three pedals, walk away. Mm, okay. Noted. Yes. Anyway, consumer advice in the middle of this. Yes. That's wonderful. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, what did you get after the uh, XC90 then? Did you get another Volvo? Uh, I did, and that that kind of brings us up. Uh, uh, and again, there's been sort of you know multiples of car at a time, but the regular everyday car. Mm-hmm. Um, I've actually got a um, a V50 at the moment, which um, um, a family member said, "Look, I'm not bothered about um, you know, mileage or what miles per gallon. I, I love an automatic gearbox. G- give me the XC90, and I'll give you my lovely, extremely low mileage V50." Um, so that was it. That was a family member that said, look, you've got that car. I want it. You have mine. Job done. So we, we did a, a fair swap. And the V50 I've got now, I have to say, is brilliant. It is absolutely brilliant. Has had recently a lot of work um, on it at Volvo. It's been away for a long time with an enormous bill. Um, DPF diesel has wasn't changed. Went pop. Have now to be changed. Um, it's. I have to say, and I know. They, I know their their sensibly focuses. I understand that. I know that. Um, you know, they they are. Yeah, but it's an incredibly pretty focus. Exactly. Exactly. And and that interior at the time was just an amazing leap forward with the floating dash and and all that. I mean, I I do have uh, I have a list of particular cars and go right. Well, if I have, you know, we've all got our fantasy shopping lists and you go well if i've got this much then these are the type of ones i look for what, what oh a bit bored let's have a little look on auto trader and then you go oh and then these and you put your criteria like well if it's for the you know the family's about so i really need to think about them as well and it, and i do have a, a v50 down in my list of a small estate that will do the family and that's all yeah i quite like that quite it's a bit interesting it's not you know it's not an astra estate let's put it that way <laughs> Look, we need all need to help Vauxhall. Well, I know you and I have discussed this before at, at length. Yes, we, we Vauxhall must... need help. They certainly do, yes. and they they sound like um, sorry to go into uh, modern news parlance, but they sound like they have they have got a grip on dull boxes that they used to produce, yeah. and they seem to be making very good cars again. Uh, I've only heard good things about the new Insignia. And the new Astra, um, it's not as new now, but that gets rave reviews as well. And hopefully they get the opportunity to continue to show they can do good stuff now. Definitely, definitely. PSA have been making lovely noises about how we're fully backing the brand and we, we are fully behind them. And I was talking to another friend of mine about it and said, oh, there's, there's no worry with, with Vauxhall. It was just when they announced that that 11-month timeline a few months ago about we have to make the turnaround you know, in mm. 11 months by, which I think ends at the end of this year, roughly, give or take. Um, you know, before we make any further decisions, and and you know, um, their the port-based factory they've got, you know, it's still open. Hopefully, it stays open. That's probably going to be the key, isn't it? Really, if that can stay yeah. open, we've got we've got half a chance. But no, I've been in in a, in a seventeen Astra uh, only a couple of weeks ago, and had a, had a, a good drive. Um, fantastic, absolutely fantastic. Drives nothing like uh, an old sloppy Astra pass. Nothing like it. It's fantastic. So yeah, keep your fingers crossed, everyone. Fingers crossed. Let's all say good things. Go buy lots yeah, of Yeah, absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> um, okay, so you've uh, what? What are the um, what are some of the highlights of your fun and interesting 
Oh, cars you've had on the side. Um, Which ones really stick stick out to you? Yeah, do you know what? There's two primarily that uh, that I don't own anymore. Both sales were now regretful, um, but but and not entirely necessary either. But you know, you get different tastes, and you think, oh, I fancy some of this. I'll sell this, and I'll get some of that. And you think, oh, no, I shouldn't have done that. That's wrong. No, 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 no. <laughs> <laughs> We've all got that in our yes, list. Exactly. We've all got that. <laughs> Um, so a car that I'm currently looking for again, I had was a 19. Uh, probably most of you listeners won't, won't know or hear of it, but it was a 1969 Chrysler Newport. So imagine, and I'm going to fantasize a bit here, but imagine a four-door Dodge Charger of the late 60s. Okay. Basically, yeah, that, that, they were the that same chassis, nice. same engine, 383 uh, MVA. Um, now that was um, that was a beautifully disgusting twin tone gold color. So it had a like a very light Ooh, body okay. and then like a mid um it was kind of like a snake skin vinyl roof. Not <laughs> Was this owned by Elvis or something? Yeah, basically, yeah. And, and the interior was green. And that was all factory, factory, factory. Whoa. Yeah, it was sunglasses the entire time. Yes, exactly. Exactly. Um and that was uh, and, and I, I fully restored that car. I put it into like a really dark metallic green with a black vinyl roof, um, and mm-hmm. just 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 redid the interior. Um, that car was, uh, and I drove that almost daily. Now that was that was a car that had a three-speed automatic, three on the tree, column change automatic, um, with a six-point-four-liter V8, six-point-five something like that, three eighty. Oh, I bet that sounded awful. Oh, it was. But oh, it was it was awful. It, you you wouldn't want to press the loud pedal no, at all with that. No, no, it might have had an exhaust. Oh, I don't know. I don't know. It might have done. It might not have been quiet. We don't know. Um, <laughs> There's no proof. <laughs> <laughs> and it was it was almost as wide as it was long. I think it was just under seven foot wide at the haunches at the rear. Um, it was okay. it was fantastic, and I I thoroughly enjoyed that car. And basically, again, I was I was. I think it might have been I was looking at the the 55 Cadillac I mentioned before on the sedan in the States, mm-hmm. and I had to make a choice as to what to do. And and the Chrysler was was in a garage, but it was taking up two spaces of you know what two cars could. Yes, we can we can tell. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I, um, I got actually taking up two spaces. Yes, exactly, exactly. <laughs> I did get a parking ticket for it as well. Took it to South End Seafront. We were talking about that before. Parked it mm-hmm. on one of the bays. And uh, put put my little my little um, you know the little parking. Uh, well, did you not get the parking ticket for the driver's side and then one for the passenger side? Yeah. Says, look, I'm paying for these spaces. I'm using. Andrew, you are very very close, sir. I had a parking ticket stuck on the rear window because of the length. It was twenty one <laughs> foot long. <laughs> Did you have to stick one of those uh, 70s wide load things on the yeah. back as well? You know, and the lorries used to have If I can't see you, then you're hidden in my blind spot exactly, or something. Exactly, yeah. If I can't see my mirrors, you don't exist. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, so we've so got a parking top in the back window, and I, I tried to fight it, and I think, do you know what? No, he's right. It's definitely in two bays, definitely. So, no. <laughs> yes, have 30 pounds, all right. Um, yeah, I know, I know, and I love that car a lot. It was the probably the most reliable um, um, classic car I've ever owned. I think, if, if honest, it just didn't want for anything. Um, mm. But again, I got made an offer by a guy in Germany. Um, he said, "I will drive over with a trailer, come and collect it, and take it from you for." And we and we did a deal um, for X and X euros. It was paid in euros, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, and he said this can be part of a collection in a museum. Again, that's the other the other two cars that have gone to museums is that car. 
Now, I heard about four years ago um, that the museum had closed down and it wasn't there anymore. And I'm now hunting high and low for the car. I want it back. I want it back and I'm going to buy it. I'm going to find it. I don't know where it's gone. My German is rubbish, to say the least. Um, I've had some very kind offices and people that speak German to write letters to you know, local papers that I'm going to, I'm going to take up. And uh, I'm going to find it again. So I don't think that's sorry. I've posted a few pictures of it on on, on Twitter quite a few times. Um, yeah, that's a, that's a mistake. Another car that I, that I had and didn't drive very much was a, a Corvette, 1988 Corvette. Um, Lewis uh-huh. Kingston, if you know Lewis Kingston, the journalist. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We actually had exactly the same car, make, year, model, everything, colour, the lot. They were identical. We didn't realise until until he posted a picture. I said, hang on, is that my car? And it was only the number plates that were different. Um and, and we were talking, you know, the virtues of, of Corvette C4 ownership. Again, if, if anyone's interested in getting into, you know, American cars in any way, any mid-80s, late-80s, Corvette or Camaro won't cost a lot to run. Definitely don't cost a lot to run. Parts are cheap and cheerful and they're very reliable. Do it. Just do it. Great fun. Made all the noises. Did number 11s, no problem. Didn't get any speeding tickets, actually. Didn't get any speeding tickets in them. I was going too fast. Um, <laughs> Didn't get caught. <laughs> <laughs> that's not an endorsement for you weren't speeding that was just well nobody was around <laughs> drive it like you stole it but of course you weren't speeding because of your early uh, your early infringement has taught you that the um, the uh, proper way to behave on the public roads of course we must insert that caveat for legal reasons definitely definitely and, yep, yes. yep. the loud pedal was never touched promise officer no. promise <laughs> Uh, yeah, so they're probably the two that, that that went and had lots of funding, but, but would quite happily have them back now. No problem at all. And I, I will find that car as well. It's a rare car. Very, very even in America, it's a very rare car. Um, most people kept the two doors. A bit like now, you know, low spec. Um, let's talk about Vectors and Mondeos. Low entry level spec four door saloons of both models are rare and getting because mm. no one kept them. And yet, if it's got an ST24 on the back, that'll live forever because that's the one you keep and that's the one you cherish. Yeah, it's uh, it's the same thing, but in the 60s, obviously, it's a it was a lower make car and, and not many people kept them. So, entry level spec cars. I fully believe the market's going to take a big swing. The classic car market, anyway, is going to take a big swing towards early to mid 90s saloons of a low entry level, you know, cranky window handle um, cloth. Velour interior. Uh, it, it's the, if you've got one, keep it nice. Well, it, it's definitely going to go nineties because the people are getting older. So the people who suddenly might have some cash and looking for a classic will remember, you know, that's their era. Um, but also, so many other classics are just at an astronomical oh, price. Telephone numbers. And you think how much the metal is worth in those cars? Nothing like the price. It's it's terrifying. Genuinely, genuinely terrifying. Well, there's some people who are going to lose more than the shirt off the backs when when it the bubble bursts, which it will do because the prices are so crazy. Yeah, yeah. so crazy. Um, and I think actually it, another one of um, uh, perhaps a passion that you and I actually uh, and, and both enjoy is uh, electric cars. I'm hugely enthusiastic about EVs, not autonomous driving. I'm genuinely don't think we should be investing in that. That that's going to be a bit, well. Recent use have proven that's a little bit mm. dangerous. But I am hugely enthusiastic about the, the, the EV market. That is mm. probably what's going to burst the bubble for, for classic car motoring because you know let's jump ahead twenty thirty years where petrol stations aren't necessarily well fuel stations aren't necessarily fuel stations anymore. Should we say? 
um, we will absolutely go back to 100 years when you used to buy your petroleum from the chemist in a barrel. That is mm. what will happen. You will find specialist suppliers selling you petrol per barrel that gets delivered to your door. When we get nearer that time where fuel stations aren't as they are, that will be the starting of the lowering of values and the demand for classic cars in probably 2015. Not to scare market anyone, but that's actually how it's going to go. It won't be choice or demand. It, it will be the fuel for them that will change the market direction. Yeah, but I can also see EVs uh, allowing uh, classic cars to live longer with doing convert as the technology improves and the batteries get smaller and everything is converting converting uh, classic cars into uh, electrified. I mean, imagine you know, say something like an air cooled engine. If what you want is you want the ride and you want the looks and that, and you say stuck a, an EV in a camper van, a VW camper van or something that had a two or three hundred mile range. Just think how that you you've got this, you've got all the character, but you don't have the downside. Yep, I could not agree more. You, know, you don't you're not having to deal with all the character. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> you have electrical problems and now more difficult electrical problems. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I can really see that you know because I've I've seen um, some people are doing conversions. I'm sure that I've now I've mentioned. I'm sure there's uh, a beetle that's been converted or electrified uh, and things like that. And I can see those things coming. I mean, it's not for all of them because uh, E types without the V12. Well, the Jaguar have you probably know they've made um, the the Jaguar Heritage invested and built a a. Um, a fully faithful Jaguar E-Type from, uh, you know, not very good condition shell into a full EV that's available mm. to buy. And they're saying if the interest is there, they will make more. You're absolutely right. And Bosch have made an e, what they call an E-Axle, which is a built-in motor um, and control pack with basically a gearbox and two drive shafts sticking out the front. Oh, you right. put that right. into any application. Um, you just have to put your own driving gear on it and then plug your batteries in. And basically, you're, you're aware. You're away, rather. Um you are absolutely right, and that will be a, bring a whole new um, dimension. Obviously, not the character we know that, but yes, there will be, and then yeah. there will be a brand. It will bring a different character, but it'll it'll keep these cars on the road. I mean, you imagine MGB um, with a little battery pack and all the rest of it, because the engine was never really the thing about an MGB. No. Um, but it's the 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 fun driving in on A and B roads. In the countryside, that's what it's about, and the, the electrification will allow that to continue. But you know, completely with you, hundred yeah. percent. Could not agree more. Exciting, it, and as I say, I'm enthusiastic and excited about it. Really, really am. Really, really am. Mm. Was actually I'm, until recently a Model Three. I was a Model Three um, um, deposit holder until about three or four months ago, when I realised, oh, this is going to take several years, and by then Nissan will make a much better car for half the money. So. I'll have to deposit back if that's all right. But I was one of the first, very, very early to to, to, to adopt. But I think I'm going to wait a bit. Nissan. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Be knocking on your door now. Yeah. Um, I want to talk talk about your business now because uh, you got you got involved in the wedding hire uh, side of things because that's got bigger and bigger. There's the uh, opportunity to leave the corporate world. These two things come together. Well, hey, off you go. Was there always a garage uh, repair element there, or did you bring that and go, well, actually, let's look after them ourselves. We can control everything. We know what the timetables are. We can, we can, you know, we've got, it's a more holistic approach. We've got everything under our own roof. 
that we can manage so therefore we can give the customer what they they want and need on their day yeah absolutely um all of the cars have always been housed in essex in two big two or three big um showroom strike garages um that we have um and still have um a few rolls royces um so 1930s 1940s 50s rolls royces um they are perilously complicated um, so in the past, we, we have <laughs> never knowingly under-engineered. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, and we're very lucky down here to want to have um, uh, one of the, the the chief experts in 1920s, 30s, 40s Rolls Royce um, have his workshop only about five miles down the road from us. So in the past, we have used him. Um, um, you pay through the nose, but you you know you can give the car to him, and if it's a niggly thing or a part that he knows the part number of by memory. Uh, Ted Overton is his name. If you Google him, you'll, you'll know he, he's an absolute encyclopedia of, of, of you know, W.O. Bentley and, 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 and Rolls Royce knowledge. Um, he would have it for you and solve that problem immediately. There would be no wait. He would just know what it is, do it, and everything. So he was very useful. Um, when I took over the business and became a, a much larger controlling part of it, uh, we built basically a workshop area. Um, we wanted to, and you've hit the nail dead on the head, we wanted to have more control, a far more holistic approach to uh, the maintenance, because they are old, they do need maintenance, things do happen. Yeah. You know, the, the, we, we've got full-time drivers that drive for us, and they'll come back and say, well, there was a squeak here, or there was a rattle there. You have to you have to get on it, you have to do that, because they are, um, you know, people they just think they're just wedding hacks, but they are taking people on perhaps one of the most, well, let's say the most memorable journey, if not the most important day of their lives, to, to some, you know, to some. Mm. Um, it, it is a lot of responsibility. Andrew is terrified. It's com- genuinely terrifying. <laughs> when you see them leave, you think, just come back, just come back. They do, they do, obviously. But, you, you know, <laughs> because because I care, um, it, it means more. Yeah, yeah. You know. Um, and so, yeah, so we've got like a, so a, a workshop here at the back. Um, one of the more re- recent projects with the restoration work, um, I've, I've been very, very um, honoured and been lucky enough to work with Johnny Smith, the, um, the mm-hmm. TV and media's Johnny Smith. Uh, I can now call him a friend. Um, he's a fantastic guy, and I'm currently building his 1964 Chevrolet Impala lowrider for him. We're doing some work with Classic American Magazine, who are now following the the build. They have followed the build. This is something that he started, um, I think, back in 2001 or two when he bought the car, and it's he's done quite a lot of work to it had to focus on family and TV work um, and now those things are settled he wants to get back in and, and get the car finished so we spoke mm-hmm. uh, on Twitter Twitter's been a fantastic tool for me actually to meet lovely people like yourself and, and, and him it's been it's such a useful tool um, and it's been fantastic to meet so many lovely people in the industry that I had no knowledge of when when I started mm. on, this, on this journey and career um, so we're building that that, uh, that that car together in the in the workshop bay um, and he'll pop down and poke his nose and we'll speak on the phone and that, that kind of thing to follow the progress of it. Um, we've also, both of us together, in like a bit of a joint venture, bought a, another Volvo, Andrew, another Volvo, um, a 1979 uh, 262 Coupe by Berard. Oh, I think I saw pictures of this. Did you? Did yes. You? Right, yes. Uh, yes. Yes. Yeah. She's uh, yeah, absolutely lovely. Absolutely lovely. So we, we're working to, to get her back to what we are. Uh, no plans yet for the car. We've, we've both just thought, well, look, we've been fans of these for years. Let's, let's do it. 
Uh, very difficult to find those cars for reasonable money. There's quite a few for sale um, on various websites in mainland Europe for absolute telephone numbers. Let's not forget, they're a 240 saloon. That's all they are. Yeah. You know, that's, yeah. <laughs> must, must stop forget the adage. Um, so, yeah, so, so the work area and being able to control and uh, move more cars into that area, uh, as well as the wedding cars, has been, has been very useful. And that, as you quite rightly said, that started um, post leaving the corporate world and joining this world we call car, basically. <laughs> so um, I was going to ask you about the, uh, the, as it says in your uh, Twitter bio, the interesting cars. And you've, you've mentioned a, a couple there with, uh, with Johnny. How, did the interesting car side of things start with you or did people come along and go, well, I know you're doing this on these. Could you have a look at my whatever it is, yeah. my insane car because I'm a lunatic and I've decided this is perfectly suitable for Britain even yes. though no one ever brought them here <laughs> exactly um, no it was it was cars I was asked and commissioned to do basically all, all, all the interesting ones I'm, I'm quite happy mucking around in a, in a, in a, in a Rover P6 or a, um, yeah, or, or a late 20s Buick that's, that's you know, Cadillac that's no problem at all um, but no so the, the more um, interesting cars we're talking veterans so late 1800s early 1900s Derricks uh, dealing on boutons that have, that have you know, um, I may not have done full restoration work, but the larger, the latter half of it, or the first first industrial half of the of the late 1800s, dealing on boutons was uh, was a full kind of chassis and body build back up from not very much left. Um, so they are they are people that have come to me um, and nowadays. If completely honest, the 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 veteran side of things, I haven't done one in a few years purely because the other both the, the wedding work we do lots of film and tv work we've actually got if you have a look on the website we've actually got lots of kind of um um picture cars they call it the industry picture action vehicles um that we use for film and tv work um that has also been quite a big uh, a, a, a sort of busy side to the to the to the vintage car company um so the the time needed to invest in those veteran and, and sort of other more um interesting cars has been kind of taken away a little bit maybe i should change the bio and just say classic and vintage and just leave it there but unless <laughs> 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 people don't find 1970s cries as interesting i don't know <laughs> <laughs> no that's awesome um so what sort of uh, tv have your cars um, we've just been commissioned to do um, Endeavour again this year, um, which is the ITV um, Young Inspector Morse. Basically, uh, we do lots of uh, it's one of the one of the weirdest advert uh, adverts. Sorry, we do we do film, TV, and, and adverts. Um, an advert recently I filmed just after Christmas, so it was mid July, um, was a Spanish advert for Kellogg's Cornflakes, where they wanted a they had like a green screen and they had like um, um, like a like an, an animated animal that would appear in the rear window of one of our Humbers. We've got 1949 Humber, Pullman, big, big, big classic fat limousine thingy. And, uh, and yeah, so it was a green screen behind with an, an actress, pretty actress sitting in the back seat, looking out to this rear window where no one was and saying about five minutes worth of lines all in one go. And this was a TV advert. I, think, I can't remember a TV advert that lasted five minutes. Oh, it's 30 seconds or so. And we did this take about 30 times where she had five minutes of spiel to say in Spanish, filmed over here in central London somewhere. It's supposed to be in Spain, but it, the film company was over here. They, they did it all here and then dub in the Spanish later kind of thing. Really, really odd. I don't know. I'm not near the advertising word. I don't know how that works. Uh, but it was so <laughs> odd to hear 20 takes of five minutes worth of spiel thinking, this is cornflakes. Who's is she, <laughs> what, what can you possibly be saying for five minutes about cornflakes? <laughs> 
<laughs> 70 times you could say, and it's t- great with milk on it. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, think- no, do it with real passion. Come on. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> yeah, soy milk. No, 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 no. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm going to move on to the quickfire questions now, I think. Yes, sir, thank you. Um, so I'm going to start like I always do and say what currently excites you about the motoring world, even though you may have just answered partly that before. Yeah, um, yeah, probably two halves. I would say uh, definitely um, EV evolution and design. Look back 20 years and the, and the shape and the, and the, the blobness of, of all cars, basically, apart from maybe some being done, it's just essentially the same. The designs of cars now, I think, are fantastic. I'm really, really infused by the, by the look and feel of uh, Infinities, uh, Toyotas, uh, absolutely brilliant. So yeah, that really excites me. Is design where we are now and where we're going? Fantastic, love it, love it. Cool. And then, what currently worries you about the motoring world? Vauxhall. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and I think um, how much negativity we're hearing um, in the media about Dieselgate. I think that perhaps you know um, can sometimes put uh, a very negative skew. And something that wasn't what well, it, it was a big issue. But if you think from pounds and pence to everyday man, it didn't make that much difference. Um, so I think there's lots of negativity in the news about the industry regarding fuels. And perhaps if we change direction, that can uh, help sales and direction design as well. We don't need to keep mulling on about that business. I know I know, you and Alan have spoken about that at large, and it's been fantastic hearing you talk about it. I have to say, <laughs> brilliant. <laughs> But yes, I think you said yesterday, let's have something else to talk about. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, then, what's been your favourite car to drive and why was that? Favourite car to drive, probably, um, probably, I had a 19, here we go, old car again. I had a 1989 uh, Golf Mark II, driver, Mm 1.3, no power anything, and... That was, yeah, 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 no power steering. Uh, I don't think no. it had a booster. I think it just had manual brakes. I think it had a booster um, on the on the brakes. Um, that was the most, and I've got to try and spitfire at the moment so this is saying something. That was probably the most driver feel car I think I've probably ever driven. It was raw, completely standard, very good condition. It was lovely. Um, so basic, and yet it did everything you could have wanted without any frills. So probably a, a Mark II Golf driver, 1.3, four doors, always four doors. Um, yeah, no frills. There we go. That will be the most unpopular answer you've ever had on this. I promise you that. <laughs> I'm not sure unpopular because it, it's it's all it's all. That's why I put the Y in. You see, because different cars for different people for different reasons. Cool, cool. <laughs> okay, then. Uh, well, continuing this theme, then, what has been your least favourite car to drive, and why was that? Least favourite car, easy. Mark One. Um, I keep saying Mark One, but Mark One Mercedes A Class. Um, the floors are too tall. The car is too high off the ground. The steering is numb, and the brakes are too hard. Rubbish. <laughs> I hated ours. <laughs> oh, you had one. I'm so sorry. I didn't know. No, no, no. Mrs. Crack Windscreen had it, uh, and I, I. It, I have to be fair here, uh, mainly because I may not wake up tomorrow if I'm not. <laughs> it uh, it performed the duties it was asked satisfactorily. Okay. However, what I thought of it was not that. Um, it had some clever bits of packaging. The, the internal packaging was clever. The materials, the finish, the, the way it drove, 
the way I, I repeatedly took the car back to several garages to say, these brakes are awful, is there something wrong? And they all said, no, that's how they're meant to be. Um, I just I just couldn't stand it. It was it was not a Mercedes in my view. No, no, totally agree. Front wheel drive. It was it was too far ahead of its time. Yeah. You imagine someone doing that now and repackaging the the outside and the abilities you've got with steering, electronic steering, and you know with all the improvements have been made, and you know the floor is perfect to be for a battery pack. Yeah, absolutely. That that design. Uh, and the way that you could just lift all the seats out completely and make it a van, and it was very spacious in very small space, um, it's just everything else let it down. With you, 100%. 100%. And my my uh, wife, she's got a, uh, a first-generation... My wife's actually got two cars, funny enough, since she's out at carries on. Um, she's got <laughs> a uh, a red Volvo C30, so same generation as mine, which she loves. The other car she's got, um, quite quirky in a similar way, is the um, the first-generation Mini Clubman. So the mm-hmm. one with little van doors and the yeah. uh, mistakenly put little side sub-opening suicide door that happens to open out into the road instead of the path because they didn't yeah. get to invest in No re-engineering. No re-engineering, <laughs> exactly, yeah, yeah. And yet the, the space inside, in what is a little packaged car, is phenomenal. And I love it, and she absolutely loves it. Uh, but that's, again, not particularly a popular car. Uh, but I think mm. with the little van doors and you can fold the seats completely flat, um, it is basically a van, but has all the characteristics that she likes in uh, Mini. Uh, her friend calls them Binnies, BMW Minis. You know, if it follows me, purists out there. <laughs> it's uh, not necessarily Mini, but uh, yeah, but, she, but same view. Um, not too keen on the engine myself, but but yeah, no, so sure. We probably, we probably have wives that like them for different reasons. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, what car would you like to own next? Oh, um own next well i i think um i would be quite i'm gonna say modern car let's keep this modern let's keep it fresh i'm gonna say the next generation of longer range leaf i appreciate there's a 40 kilowatt out there now ev mm-hmm. um that will do around 160 miles real world um i think if there's if there's one that's going to do 200 250 i would be very much excited about that very much yeah i think 200 is is the tipping point of where people suddenly that that you know just normal people off the street, not us car nerds, um, <laughs> in this small corner of the internet, but uh, people, normal people in the street suddenly go, oh, hang on, that makes a lot of sense now. Yep. Um, particularly if we can keep the EV grant going Definitely. in this country, um, which I think needs to happen. The uh, the charging network is growing daily. Uh, and meeting more needs. Uh, Alan and I were speaking in this week's news show. We um, we think we'd probably go around much more of Britain than we did last September. Excellent. Now, um, and that's without considering uh, the Zoe that's over 200 miles um, yes. and things like this. Yeah. Um, so, you know, the, the, every day it's getting better and better and better. Uh, and that it's just the communication of that to people. But, yeah, uh, I... I've, if I had the opportunity, an electric vehicle would be quite high on my list of ones to look at. Have you driven a Zoe yet? No, I've not driven a Zoe Have yet. you not? You will like no. them. Very, very much entry-level drug into EVs. Standard handbrake, a regular automatic gear-like shifting, um, mm-hmm. but all the benefits and, and um, likeable quirks of an EV. If you can get one test drive, they're really good. Really, really good. Mm. But a bit too yeah. expensive for what they are. They're a small Clio for 24000 
for, for a 200 mile long range. Um, yeah. You know, so 20,000 with with the grant currently, too much, too much. Yeah, yeah. Uh, okay, then, what is your favourite road to drive on? Favourite road to drive on, um, and I haven't researched this, and I should have done because I should have found the road name. But there is a, a lot of the North Wales Valley roads that lead up to, to Betsy Coed and Bettisworth and, and Mount Snowdon. All of those roads I've driven a, a, a number of times. Uh, I've got a couple of friends that live in the North of Wales, and they are fantastic, both going up and down the mountains. The roads are quite good quality. They're a bit narrow, yes, but it's you're normally on your own. You normally there's normally no traffic, um, the, and the scenery to go along with the good driving roads is flawless. And we're very very lucky to have that here. So definitely yep. any of the country roads up to up to the North of Wales, up into the hills and back down again, brilliant. Okay, um, I, I've. I grew up around there when I had a car, so oh. I know them. I know them well. They they are very nice. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Did you meet in the side uh, of the mountains at all, or no, no, fine. no, 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 I, no, 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 it's all right. Um, I, I got good at hill starts. Let's Excellent. Excellent. Yeah. Not in second gear, I hope. <laughs> no, no, of course not. Of course not. Uh, okay, then, what is the most pointless optional extra you've had the misfortune to experience? Pointless optional extra in um, it was a. It was a 1960s Peugeot, and I can't remember the model, but it had two cigarette lighters in the front. Now, even at the time of smoking, you know, during a period that, that, that lots of people do, why would you need two? Is there any- well, one, one for men and one for women. But surely, and that was an extra, that was something you'd had to pay for. Or is it one for cigarettes, one for cigars? Yes, oh, that's true, that's true. <laughs> One larger bore than the other. Exactly, yeah, yeah. No, no, no snippers for the end. No cigar cutters. No, 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 no. no. I can't option that in. Yeah. Two right. So the one person couldn't wait, couldn't wait the 30 seconds it took to warm up to go again, or less, had to have... Time. I need a cigarette now. Exactly, exactly. Not yours. Your that driving's time. that bad. I need this. <laughs> oh, that yeah. is fantastic. I don't, I've never heard of that before. That's brilliant. Uh Okay, then, um, penultimate question now, and that is, who do you think I should talk to after you? Lots of people, because I'm rubbish, but lots of people. Um, I I know you've had Tom Ford on this show, which Mm -hmm. is very good. Um, Thank you. you He is very good. He's excellent, lovely lovely guy. haven't actually met him in person yet, I I, I will do. Um, Have a word with his partner in crime. Johnny is a lovely man. If you can get hold of him for an hour, um, he'd be nice to talk to. Uh, Also, um, a friend of Johnny's, Tom's and I is a guy called uh, Tim Glover at Roadhouse Motor. He has mm-hmm. uh, a fantastic A collection and B turnaround uh, in, in classic cars. Again, his knowledge is absolutely brilliant. He's very entertaining. Um, have a look on his website. Have a look on his Twitter feed. Um, he loves old things that are French. Lots and lots of old things that are French. <laughs> Uh, and, and also, plenty of plenty of yellow fog lights. Yeah, oh, very much. Oh, yes, exactly. Yeah, absolutely. Amber lenses all around. Absolutely. Um, and also from the modern world, I have a word with uh, Tim uh, Tim Alden. Um, if you, mm-hmm. um, yeah, you know, I, I think you and him were speaking to him quite, quite before. He is very much of the current generation of, of motor vehicle journalists. Um, he is. Uh, he, he also does three uh, D printing, which I found Johnny and I found very very useful for our endeavours in classic cars. Um, he's. Oh, that, um, just on that yes. point, sorry, this is a slight tangent, but 3D printing must be a godsend now. It, it's been, I haven't really had to explore it that much until the last eight months. It suddenly opens up. It's incredible. The, oh, hang on, we can do this now. Instead of bodge something, we can maybe make it better by 
using better material originally. <laughs> exactly. There was there was a, and I'll, I'll give you the example. It's been it's been well documented. But um, in uh, Johnny's um, uh, Chevrolet, there was an air conditioning vent made of not very good plastic at the time in the sixties. Uh, the one in his car was was decrepit and, and taken out a bit brutally. Most of it chipped away. Uh, Tim, in particular, Tim Oldland, um, managed to hand scan. So he hand drew this this curved vent that sits in the middle of the dashboard, printed it, it, it out in a fantastic quality, and it is exactly correct for the fitting that it goes into in the car. It is absolutely perfect. <laughs> very, very inexpensive. His talents know no bounds. And it's been amazing that that part that there is – there was not very many made at the time, in the hundreds, in fact, really none. It was an optional extra that you had to put in on a very top-spec model anyway. That part has been non-existent for, Johnny says, upwards of 15 years. They haven't made any reproductions of them. And we found a guy that could print them that would be a very expensive and hard-to-fault part, brand new, that's better than original. Better material, mm. better finish, better fit. It's been fantastic. So, yeah, do have a word with Tim. He will, I'm sure I'd love to come on. The two teams and Johnny. Here we go. Okay, that that gives me uh, some people to aim for. Add to the hit list. Uh, <laughs> it. So it makes it sound very sinister. <laughs> it's really it's just a spreadsheet, you know, because that's how I roll. Love the spreadsheet. Love the spreadsheet. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, okay, then, last question, and that is, um, after listening to this, uh, what are the best ways for people to follow what you do, get in touch, uh, maybe hire a car or uh, inquire about uh, garage uh, work um, what, what would how can people do that fantastic uh, I think first and foremost probably Twitter so at uh, my name's Simon Browse and the, the Twitter handle is at Cy Browse all one word all lowercase um, on Instagram post regularly have lots of interesting, interesting talks on Instagram which is again is Cy Browse all lowercase uh, or even directly on our website, which is www.arrowvintagecars.co.uk. Excellent. I will have links in the show notes to all that, uh, so people can just click through and and have a look and get in touch with you. So um, it just leaves me to say thank you so much for coming on. Uh, really appreciate uh, you chatting to me, particularly the efforts you have gone to this morning, which people won't get to hear about, uh, but the efforts you've gone to this morning <laughs> to actually allow this call to happen. I am, I, I am very, very grateful that you've, you've, gone, <laughs> you've, take, you've gone the extra mile. Uh, thank you so much. Not at all, not at all. Technology won't beat us, Andrew. Don't worry, it won't beat us. <laughs> Brilliant. Well, thank you so much for having me. It's been an absolute pleasure, sir. Absolute pleasure. Feel very honoured. Thank you very much. Thanks once again to Simon for coming on Rearview and chatting with me. I hope you found our conversation as fascinating as I did. And if you want to suggest someone I should ask to come on this show, please do get in touch. If you use the hashtag RearViewPod, we'll be guaranteed to see it here in Motoring Podcast Towers. If you would like to get in touch with me directly, search for Crap Windscreen on Twitter. And if you like to keep up to date with motoring news, opinions and car reviews, go try out the sister show, which is the Motoring Podcast. On that front, we have had a couple of special editions out recently. One was for the Mercedes Vito Tora, which enabled the recent Rearview on Tour to happen. Um, so you will, if you could want to go and listen to that, go back and uh, pick that one out. And yesterday we released another special edition, this time quite a special special edition, which was a twin test of the Hyundai i30N versions. Um, so you can go back and listen to Alan and I make the case for the one that we prefer. Remember, you can support everything we do at Motoring Podcast in a couple of ways please go to motoringpodcast.com forward slash support to see what they are. 
I would also really appreciate it if you could tell others about this show. I want as many people as possible to hear the stories of these great guests who come on here. So until next time, that was Simon Browse, I've been Andrew Clues, and safe motoring.